All right, so for today's board, we have the whole team here. It's exciting, Christy and Jarrell. Um, for those of you who haven't seen them in the flesh, here you go. Um, so today we're gonna talk about, um, well, it's the first part to a two-part series of videos around um, turnover, especially marketing operations. Um, so we did a survey last year to different marketing operations um, people and we wanted to answer the question of why there was such high turnover in this role and we see it you know run pretty rampant recently and we think that there's a, a few reasons why people are turning over and and you know I think employers probably are gathering some of that when people are leaving but we wanted to focus on the other hand of making the case for why marketing ops people should stay in their role. Um, because, you know, the average lifetime of someone in a marketing ops role, it feels like, I don't know, like a year. Less than a year. Less than a year. Um, well, I think in our survey, it was three companies in the past five years. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so a little over a year. Um, and so, but we do think there's benefit you know, to staying in a role longer than a year. Um, and so for those of you who are thinking of whether they should stay in their role or not, maybe this could, you know, sway you um, differently. So, yeah, I don't know. Don't yeah, I think a lot of off. people, it's quite obvious what the reasons are to leave, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're trying to present a counter argument to get people to think about why they should stay, maybe mm -hmm. reasons that they might not be thinking about, um, especially if they've been bouncing quite a lot. Um, and do you want me to just kick off the first one? Yeah. Yeah, so I think the one thing that we've noticed, um, and you know, both you and I have worked a few places as well, so we're, uh, I guess the might be the, not the wrong term, guilty of this, but you know, we're, we've moved around too, but um, it's really being able to see things through. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of the time when you start a company, there's a lot of new things that you'll add into that company, a lot of new tools, a lot of new processes, a lot of new kind of aspects that you're going to bring to the marketing operations function. And it takes a long time to really figure out and really see what's going to happen, how all those things materialize and how like once you've released it into the, the real world, what, what ends up happening. Mm -hmm. And if you leave, within a year, then you're always just in that building mode and you're never in that evaluation mode to really tell if things are really, have, how they really work long term. Mm -hmm. And I think Chrissy had a really good video the other day about um, overcomplicating things and you're never gonna know if what you built is right for the long term um, success of that project. And so if you really, if you leave and you go do it again, again, you just still, you're not going to really figure out. So to really understand and learn what works and what doesn't work, especially long term, um, you really need to stick around for a bit longer than a year and mm -hmm. then evaluate things and have that analysis. And I think a lot of times, um, you know, every new person that comes in kind of wants to bring their own ideas. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so those new ideas are implemented and then they're never saw through and then the new person comes in, brings their new ideas. Yeah. So they're never yeah. like, it's never consistent mm -hmm. sticking with one thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And for the company that, that's very really difficult for all the other people who are staying around for a bit longer because they just get pulled in different directions every year when the new person wants to stamp their 
their you know, thoughts and their experiences onto that operations function. Yeah. But then for the, the person as well, again, it's just, it's really hard for you to be able to talk eloquently about your opinions on wh- why you should be doing that if you haven't in the past seen that through. Totally. Yeah, and I think to tag on to that, one of the things that you know we talked about and maybe some of us have <laughs> seen before, but the grass isn't always greener, you know, at another role. So a lot of the times the common issues that we're dealing with in marketing ops like the next organization you move to are going to have those same problems. So if you feel like you're frustrated or you, you know, you can't get things done, I think the biggest thing is to figure out what those are and if they can be addressed. So like working with your manager or leadership, Mm -hmm. um, because the company will benefit from that. But you might also just be leaving those problems and going to a new place with those problems again. So um, and starting a new job, although is exciting, you know, it's hard. Like you said, you're in building mode the whole time. So if you're, you have your like known evil, your known set of problems, um, and then you're tackling that and trying to fix them, that is, you know, proactive. And we know that a lot of time working on people will also then go to a new role for maybe a bump in pay. It's like, well, then that kind of gives you the case to warrant why you should even, you know, maybe get a promotion or a pay rise because you're really trying to improve things mm-hmm. for the company, right? Um, and that just made me think because I think a lot of the times um, people in a MOPS role, they, they get a bit undervalued by the wider team. And that's one mm-hmm. of the reasons why maybe they move on. Maybe, yeah, for sure. So then if they, they maybe have spent a year building getting everyone on board, you know, raising their stock within the company, raising, you know, the value of marketing operations in the company and people are starting to see the value, then they leave. You know, they, they've, they, now they go to the other company, they're going to start from the beginning again in a lot mm-hmm. of cases. Um, so, you know, you're just getting to the point where, you know, people potentially are starting to see the value in what you're doing and you can start really pushing forward the MOPS function and then you go and start, have to start from the beginning again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was thinking it, the longer you stay somewhere too, the more like indisposable you become mm-hmm. because you turn out like once you have are building all those things, see them through, you're the go-to person for everyone to ask questions oh, yeah. to. Yeah. Like that trusted advisor. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much for the team. Uh-huh. For sure. Yeah. I think that you, especially in MOPS where documentation can be a little bit lacking sometimes and things can be quite complicated and there's a lot of knowledge that's just up here. Um, if you're that go-to person you leave for the company, it's a big drain because now they've lost all of that knowledge. And we've seen that a lot. <laughs> yeah, and then they have to bring in an agency to really have that knowledge bank consistent. Um, but for the person, um, you, you've really, you've really gathered, I mean, it takes a while to understand all of the tools, all the instances and everything. Mm-hmm. You've gathered, and you know, we go to a new job, sometimes it takes you a few months really just to, get a good idea of everything that's going on, all the people you need to work with, all the tools, all the processes, and the company strategy and the direction and everything. And again, like you go all that under wraps and then you go, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like this might be, this is kind of a side thing, but also um, we talked about investment in a company as one of the benefits for working in-house. Um, so we talked about working agency versus working in-house. And 
a lot of us are working at startups and one of the biggest like payoffs of working in a startup for your hard work is you know whether that company does well and goes public or your actual like investment to that company would pay off because the more time you're able to invest your shares or whatever you have like you're going to be rewarded for that but if you're just leaving after a year one you don't get to see those like great milestones for that company which is a huge bonus for working in-house and then two you don't get the financial benefit mm -hmm. because you're not investing a lot of your stock so that's a tough one because it is like gambling you never know what's going to happen to the company but it is um you know an exciting moment i've had times where i left like right before a company went public and it was hard for me because i was like oh i wish i was there you know because <laughs> yeah. you're part of building that and seeing that exciting um thing but you know just financially it could be rewarding as well which you're not thinking about because it's not tangible like the maybe the bump in your salary that you're about to get and even on the other side of that i know we tend to have a selfish tendency when we feel like we want to move around and it's time for us to go we don't realize that there's people that also are there that it can that really can learn from us that we can teach and make an impact on them versus just the company mm -hmm. overall um and i think a lot of times we don't really think about that um, and even when we leave, to you guys' point, we leave with, like, the, the person that leaves, leaves with the knowledge, too. Mm -hmm. You know, the things that they built. A lot of times documentation isn't put in place, you know, before or um, at a greater scale that it should have been to where people who, af after that person leaves, can actually, you know, continue to keep the thing, keep things going. Um, so, I mean, thinking about that, you know, if you do plan on leaving, like, try to think from a mindset of, how many people I'm impacting when I leave and how can I not, how can I make things easier for that transition, not just for myself, but for... Yeah, that's an interesting point, actually. I wonder if um, if there's a study out there or, or if people can just kind of have, just think about it, where the more people that are staying longer, does that mean that other people will stay longer? Oh, yeah, know? for yeah. sure. Because like, if you, if you end up staying longer, does that mean other people will want to stay longer and then you're all getting better together? You know, you're learning from each other, you have that knowledge, you've got those connections built over a year, it takes a long time you know, for people to really trust each other. Yeah. And then you, you know, if you're staying longer, that could be a really, you know, kick-ass team that you've got established instead of everyone just being new to each other, trying to learn each other mm -hmm. the whole time. Well, it's I always say like the math, oh, go, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, especially if you're a pretty influential person right yeah. on the team, it's like, oh, such and such is gone. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> and then everyone starts. Yeah. Well, they have like the mass exodus. Like, that's what they say. They're like, oh, there's a mass exodus. And it's like everyone, like one person left, and then everyone kind of left after that. And, but I think that brings up a good point around relationships, too. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the times where I've spent like longer in roles, or I think about the clients I've had over a long period of time. Uh, you just are able to build relationships with them that are just, you know, rare to find. And it, it's like, you know, so easy to work with them. You know, you're, you know each other in and out. You know how like, they're thinking. Um, and I feel like that's special. It, it kind of makes you want to go into work with, you know, you're going to be working with your friends basically mm -hmm. <laughs> at that point. Um, and so that's also, I think, a... A good way, it's it's not an obvious reason to stay, and it shouldn't be one of the main decisions, but I think it there's something to say about that, and, yeah. you know, yeah. So then, 
Um, we've talked about why you, why you should stay because you know if things are crazy, things might also be crazy at the next place. But then I guess one of the reasons why a lot of people end up leaving is they think they can progress in their career quicker mm-hmm. because a lot of the time the company either you're at is a bit slower to promote you than the, another company trying to attract talent. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when they're kind of offering titles and things like that um, <laughs> that maybe the, the current company isn't. And then also, you know, a jump in pay. So if, if you're someone who is in the, that position, it's, it's difficult, right? Because you, you believe maybe you, you deserve that mm-hmm. next step, but the company hasn't recognized it yet. How can you go about, you know, but you want to stay. Like you're listening to this right now and you think, oh, I do want to stay for all of these reasons. They're really great reasons, but I'm not going to be, you know, moving up as fast as I want. Like, how do you, how do you manage that, do you think? I think people don't ask mm-hmm. for one. I don't think they tell, express that to their managers and say, you know, I don't feel valued. I want a higher <laughs> um, title or pay. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like step one because a lot of times probably the manager doesn't even realize you feel that right. way and mm-hmm. wants to know that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. And I think the the best way to go about that isn't just saying, I, th- I think I deserve it. Yeah. Right? It's more, Prove I know reasons. you weren't saying that, but yeah. it's more just like, one proving it but also being clear really clear with yourself and the company and your manager on what you are mm-hmm. so if you're a manager and you want to be a director you say okay I'll, i want to be a director in x amount of time what do i need to do to achieve mm-hmm. that yeah. is that a possibility i want to be a director in two years what do i need to achieve what do i need to demonstrate um, to show that i have these skills what are the milestones over the next 24 months that i need to achieve to get there and you don't and even come up with some, right? You could say, if I want to become a director and I'm a manager, these are the things I'm, I'm willing to give up this, make sure I achieve this. What else can I do to make sure I get there? Mm-hmm. Speak to HR, speak to your manager, and then create that plan. Totally. And I think that um, if you feel like, I think to your point, if you feel kind of uncomfortable having that conversation or you, or you feel like, asking for it is just not in your personality i know for a lot of us we feel like we you know someone should recognize i'm doing great work and just reward me for it and it's like well that isn't always how it works because there's just so many levels like your boss has a boss right and they're usually approving how much budget they have or what promotions they can get about so but also your boss is probably thinking about this for themselves for too. Exactly. exactly and so you do if you think about it, one, they're going to have sympathy. Like, they're going to understand, oh, okay, yeah, totally. And if you're clear on, like you said, like you're making it goal-based. Mm-hmm. And then maybe even thinking outside the box and saying, hey, like, I'm even thinking maybe we can have some type of, you know, bonus structure. Like, mm-hmm. maybe I can get measured on these things. Mm-hmm. And if I make that, then I can get, you know, comp for it. Because it's not just, you know, you're giving me my salary. I actually have a tangible, like, mm-hmm. thing I need to work toward. And then I'll get, you know, I'll get rewarded for that. Because um, I think in marketing ops, that is not usually something that happens. We're not usually bonus. Like, usually our peers are around in, like, demand gen. Who usually has a goal tied to them or in sales. And that's always been really frustrating. But it's um, totally possible. But right. it's totally possible. Yeah, you can have goals for the company that you can work toward. Um, and you should be 
like rewarded, I think, for that. Because um, you do have a lot of what marketing ops does is can be tied to revenue. It's like a lot of those programs that Demand Gen was doing couldn't probably happen mm. unless marketing ops touched it. So and they don't only have to have some numerical revenue goal. Yeah. They could have other goals, you know, like any sort of the strategic priorities for marketing totally. operations, you know, achieve this implementation or you know, increase our, you know, efficiency with this process or make sure that we, um, you know, redo our lead scoring and, and improve our MQL conversion rate. I mean, that would be a numerical thing. I mean, there's so many ways that you could create a framework to have some kind of um, financial incentive there, which can give you that bump in pay maybe that you're looking for. And then the title side of things, that's where you can work with your manager to develop that plan. And if you go to your manager and they're not interested to help you make that plan, then, I mean, that's probably a good sign that maybe <laughs> maybe it might not be the right long-term thing for you. But I wouldn't just give up then. You know, you've got to, you know, nurture that, mm. right? Because they, they're very busy too. And they've probably got a lot of the priorities and your, your um, you know, improvement and path through through your career is one of their priorities but they've got a lot of other things you need to think about so you really need to work on them and not just give up if they just don't you know, create this plan for you on day one you know yeah yeah these are i mean these are things that we as marketing ops professionals need to think about but it's also i think the responsibility of the manager to mm -hmm. if they want someone to stay longer to think mm -hmm. about these things which i think we're going to talk about in another mm -hmm. um, part that's going to be part two for sure part two. Um, and the manager definitely has a lot of responsibility, but it is, is there's still a hell of a lot of responsibility on, on the, mm. the individual too, yeah. right? Like they need to be super cut. Like if you want something, you have to just get over the awkwardness of, of saying it, right? You need to just say what you want make, and make and understand that you're going to have to work for it uh -huh. and agree on a plan to get there. Yeah, and this is kind of my question. This made me think because we're talking about a lot of like fiscal, uh, you know, rewarding. So this is my question to everyone because I feel like there's also things about a job where it's you're more willing to stay in that job like outside monetary value. Like for some of us, that like for for me, if I was working in house, it would maybe be more of like a flexible work from home situation. So if I was able to pick a few days work from home. Um, especially now as a mom and being sympathetic toward mom in the workplace, like commuting every day can be hard or, you know, being, having to do pick up and drop off, like having more flexible hours, even if you are going into the office. So that can be some level of negotiation too. And I, I don't think that's saying like, oh, I'm going to do less of my job. So you're yeah. going to, you can pay me less. It's more just, I get that benefit. I don't know if you guys totally. have any other things. comfort. Yeah. No, that's a huge benefit for me working from home. Like I would much rather have this job where I can work from home versus going to like say I don't know an Amazon or a Google and mm -hmm. get paid a lot a lot more, but you know can't don't have that flexibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and again, being clear about what you want is key there, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're if you want to work from home, you got to ask for it. You got to be able to say, okay, well maybe I'll do it once a month or something, and then prove to you, and maybe after I've done it that, that day, I can do it once a week and then prove that I'm working. And, and then there's that side of it, which is the, the balance with work and life, but there's also the asking for what you want in terms of not just title and 
money but what you're doing day to day mm-hmm. and I think we talked about that on one of the podcasts or the, one of the videos before around if you everyone in Mops always wants to be working on bigger projects more strategic you know less just execution repetitive execution and if you find yourself thinking oh I'm just stuck in this execution world and I can't get out of it I want to leave that's not that is partly the company's fault, but it's, a lot of it is, is due to you, right? Because you need to be clear about what your goals are for your growth and mm-hmm. development within your current title and role. Mm-hmm. And, one, and there's tons of ways that you can try and push this forward, but you need to understand what, how much are you working on stuff you want to work on versus what you're not. Track your time, log it, figure out what percentage you're working on the stuff that you want to be working on. Take that back to your manager and be like, okay, well... Right now, I'm only really doing 20% of my time on strategic and 80% on execution. Wouldn't you prefer, you know, if I was working a lot, like 50% or 50-50 or 70-30, maybe let's create a plan for me to get there, you know? Work with me to be able to give me the permission or the authority to say no to some of these execution requests so I can work on these bigger projects. And that could flag some things that are taking up a lot of your time that aren't like focused on company goals at all like you're like i'm spending x amount of time per week working on um this one task when really they're like why are you spending that much time on that that's just, that isn't weeks. something we should focus on yeah right and then those last minute requests that you get in and you feel like you have to do and you're just bogged down by all of this stuff and it's stressful and people are messaging you at 10 p.m saying we'll get this email out tomorrow and all of that kind of stuff and again marketing ops we we like to please and we like to do it and we like to make sure that we're supporting the rest of the team, but you have to be clear with your manager, this isn't, this isn't working for me, you yeah. know? and how can I change this? Don't just be like, no, I'm not gonna do it tomorrow, and mm-hmm. surprise everyone. You need to create a plan yourself that with your manager to be able to work your way out of that. Yeah, or like make the case for anything. So I've even helped um, some of my friends or, or peers with even presentations on you know, how to ask for more headcount. You know, like, what are the benefits of having that? Or how do I get additional resources? What are the benefits of that? Um, and I think if you come with a strong argument and you can show that it would be worthwhile, um, you know, that can be a huge case um, for it. And they can't really say no. Mm-hmm. You need to convince them. Mm-hmm. Um, if you went through all those steps to try and get what you want or what you know is going to make you happy and it works out, that's a great way to stay. If, if not, then at least you know you tried, you know, and then maybe you, there is another, you know, opportunity out there, so. Yeah, a common theme I'm hearing in all these reasons is just like being proactive mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and not just sitting by and waiting for something to happen mm-hmm. and thinking a new, going to a new job is the only way to get out of it. For sure. And that's, oh, yeah, I, oh, I was going to say, and another strong argument that I think, or one strong argument that I think will probably be 100%, well, close to 100% successful is just presenting how, you know, you the marketing could improve their relationship with sales. Mm-hmm. So maybe like, you know, coming up with a strategy, like ABM strategy, it's mm-hmm. probably like the best strategy you can have to bridge sales and marketing and improve that relationship well like even i say like working cross-functionally like Mm -hmm. it's just like a a huge step so if you're able to say like okay well i'm gonna help like work with different departments because it feels like not a lot of the other departments of marketing don't like have the time to do that and they're on a roll to do that Mm -hmm. but marketing ops can 
And the thing with sales and marketing is just like the lack of trust, you know, or a lack of communication. And so if, if you're someone that can help lead that, which not a lot of people want to do, don't have the time to do, but it's just super important. That is super, very valuable. You know, and I like, think going back to, you know, these are a lot of reasons why or like how you can improve your job to then stay. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a really good point and why you will benefit by staying. So sales and marketing, there's sometimes the distrust there and there is the lack of alignment. It takes a long time to build that alignment. And if it's not there when you join, in a lot of cases it isn't, and maybe you're the change agent there to try and bring those two teams together through a strategy like ABM or you know, with a close relationship from with MOPS to SOPS, we're creating a revenue operations team. It, ta- it will take a while to develop that and there's so much you can learn once you've got that going. Mm-hmm. And if you leave before that trust and everything is established, then you've, one, you've kind of done the company a bit of a disservice, but also yourself because you've never been able to really see what happens when there's good alignment. Mm-hmm. Because now you can talk about alignment all day because you read and you learned about it, but it won't, until you've actually felt it and you've, you've created it um, and then you've seen the benefits from it long term, it's very difficult to really take that to your next company mm-hmm. and say, this is what happened when we spent a year developing this ABM strategy and this alignment, this is what happened to our revenue, conversion rates, you know, all of the optimization that we can create through that. Um, and then you, you can, every time in your career, especially as you go up and maybe one day you're a CMO, you can really get people on board to create that alignment because you, you felt it and you experienced mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I think also like winning fans at your different roles within an organization can only help you in the long run with your career. So you might find that you can switch from job to job and get title bumps, but at some point you might plateau because everyone's going to compare your expertise versus you know your role and you're going to need references for that and I feel like what's even better is you know everyone kind of moves on to potentially different roles and when you have those champions that can speak to how well you did within your organization that's going to help you one day when you're trying to find a new role that really suits you and you can have a great reference or they might even be working at that you know, hot new startup that you actually want to work on and you have it in there, someone that can vouch for you and say like, you're great. Or they might even come to you with opportunities. And those I feel like are a better fit than a recruiter coming to you with an opportunity Mm -hmm. because they actually know, okay, this is a a good role for Gerald or Christy, you know, like this suits them, Mm -hmm. this suits Charlie. And that's going to be even more successful jump for your career than some, the one that's just laid out to you Mm -hmm. on a platter. It's a small world. And wouldn't you rather have, you know, a dozen really deep long-term relationships with people that are going to really support you through your career Mm -hmm. or, you know, a hundred people that, oh yeah, you know, I worked with him him or her for a year and he's pretty good. Yeah. But we didn't really, you know. It's not long enough to make an impact. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah. So we've got, we're coming up to about half an hour on this. So, um, but that's, that's, that's good. Yeah. I think covered a lot there and then the next the next version of this is going to be for leaders because again both sides benefit from a long-term relationship and leaders almost more so which is why it's so important for them to to be able to create that environment that people want to stay in so Mm -hmm. stay tuned for episode 
for part two of uh, this topic.